What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of Uncle Stevie's Nephew's Podcast. Um, it's currently January 21st. Usually we do these on the weekends, but I thought, I mean, there's been a lot of Mets news or lack, lack thereof Mets news in certain instances. So I figured we should probably do one and try and be somewhat on time with the breaking news or just news cycle. Um, so the first thing we're going to talk about is Jared Porter. We're going to get into George Springer. Um, we're going to get into the other rumors that the Mets have been linked to in the past one and a half weeks or whenever we did our last podcast. Um, so first with Jared Porter, we're just going to go around and give our thoughts. I mean, I think it's besides the fact that he's just a bad guy and a creep, um, I guess our more of our thoughts on – I don't even know. I feel like we're going to be pretty equal on everything, but I guess we'll just give a summary of everything. So I'll first lay the context. So I think it was, what day of the week was it? I think it was Monday. Monday. I think it, okay. Let's just say it was Monday. It came out like 11. I was just scrolling through Twitter and I saw it and I was like, this is great news. Um, and I started reading the story and I was like, this is typical Mets things. Can you guys hear my phone in the background? <laughs> yeah, but you know what? That's nothing compared to what Sandy dealt with exactly. the other day. So you're yeah. good. Yeah, Probably got so Sandy many would, Sandy would be unfazed with his wife, with his exactly. dog. So just just keep rolling. Okay. Yeah. Well, so um, I was reading through the story, and this is like typical Mets news. And the typical Mets thing is something I also want to talk about because everyone's talking about how, oh, the Mets messed up again, and this is just another Metsy situation. But, I mean – News broke that he had an interaction with um, a female reporter in 2016. Um, Sandy broke the news that she was from Korea, which he wasn't supposed to. Um, but they had an interaction. At first, it was it seemed like a more friendly interaction. The lady also there was some type of a language barrier, so she might have not been she might have been unknowing to the fact that she was being like having a friendly conversation with him. And Jared Porter took it to another level. Ended up sending 62 unread messages that ended with, um, let's just say, not the best thing to send. Um, we won't get into that. But um, definitely after I read the story, I was like, I was counting down the, hour, the minutes till he was fired. Um, and I went to bed and I was a little nervous that it would be a situation where the Mets took a long time to fire this guy. Um, and that would be like a, a type of Mets situation to take a long time when it's an obvious decision. Um, but luckily I woke up and like 15 minutes after I woke up, it, was, it broke that Steve Cohen tweeted that they fired him, which was obviously the right thing to do. Um, one thing that I do want to mention is on our Instagram, there are some people that were, on, a, on the sport universe Instagram, there's some people that weren't completely in agreement of him being fired or maybe the way I worded it. And I basically said, this is what happens when it, in a male dominant industry. And what I was basically getting at is in a male dominant industry, like a sports industry, like baseball, um, it's, it sometimes becomes an old men's club or boys club. Um, and the boys are there for each other um, and not for the girls. And in a situation like this, this lady didn't feel comfortable enough to tell the world about her situation. Um, and that's part of the problem first. And then secondly, um, someone like Jared Porter feels, uh, what's it called? Like there's really no problem him doing that because no one's going to go against him. Everyone's going to side with him over the female reporter. 
which is kind of what I was getting at. Maybe I didn't use my words clear enough. Um, but I think obviously it's a terrible situation. I think Sandy Alderson, besides the phone calls and his wife being in the background for <laughs> a good amount of time, which was very, it was odd because it's obviously a ser- serious situation. And she's just in the background minding her business. And the um, dog. And the dog too. Uh, <laughs> um, I think he handled it well. The questions, I think the questions were a bit, um, one side in the fact that they were making it sound like it was the Mets fault. Um, I don't think it was mm-hmm. the Mets fault. If anyone, yeah. if anyone's to blame, it's the Cubs and the person that knew about it. But Sandy Allison, I think handled it well. I think one of the more important questions was when the female reporter asked him if any female people were interviewed. And that's an important question, but that's also not the Mets fault. I think Sandy Allison said that that's one of the problems with the industry. There's not a lot of lead female people that they could call and learn about what Jared Porter might have done with them if he was seen like a normal guy or not. Um, but besides the point, it was still an important question because it just continues to go down the road of that there needs to be more females in a male-dominant industry so these types of things don't happen. Um, and yeah, I think that's where I'm, I'm going to leave it for me. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'll say that I had the same issue you did where when I made the YouTube video about it, I had so many people in the comment section that were actually signing with porn and they said five years ago, no big deal, alleged. I mean, way too many people, I think, were telling me that. And I was saying, but what they don't realize is that uh, Disha, when she was a mess reporter, she tweeted that like she would not feel comfortable interviewing Jared Porter. And it just set a bad example for the Mets because in the interview that Sandy Olsen had, that's all they were asking him. They didn't talk about the Lucchese trade. They were just all over Sandy about it. And like, oh, well, should you have done an FBI-like investigation? Yeah. Like, that shouldn't have to happen when it comes to hiring a general manager, especially a guy who was with the Diamondbacks as well, you know, in between his time with the Cubs and the Mets. And what bothers me is that even though ESPN knew for a while and they're not supposed to, you know, they can't say anything until she gives the okay. Mm-hmm. They could at least give the Mets a heads up before they hire him. Like, we can't say what he did, but we suggest to not do it. And that's all the Mets could have said. Like, for, you know, respect of our sources, stuff like that. Like, we, we can't tell exactly why, mm-hmm. but he, he would not be the best hire. So I think that that definitely was unfortunate for the Mets because when they did hire him, he got the most glowing reviews okay, of anybody you will ever see. I don't think I ever saw one single negative word about Jared Porter, you know, yeah. everybody has such nice things to say. And, you know, I think that uh, if he did it to more women, let's say, I feel like somebody would have had to have come out by now. It wouldn't have just been this one person from 2016, mm-hmm. you know, regardless what, but like I told people, whether it's five years ago, or it's five minutes ago, it still was a big time problem because, you know, there's yeah. one thing between sending a couple messages and then just overall creep status. Cause that's, that's where he was, you know, that, mm-hmm. that was like way extra beyond any of us could comprehend. So, I mean, all that stuff really bothered me. And I, I just think that Sandy, he handled it as well as he could. I mean, you, you could tell when he had all his distractions, like not even the, a percent <laughs> of a smile or rattled, you know, and, and he just yeah. has to deal with this New York media. And it really makes me proud that, like, even though Porter had to get fired and all, that Sandy is still the guy in charge. Mm-hmm. Like, I have so much trust that he is just a smart baseball guy and will get it done. And the organization made the right decision, like, Cohen said, we want to change the culture because they're still trying to get over all the drama that would happen with the Wilpons constantly. So the fact that they acted so swiftly, I I think they didn't get enough credit for that. You know, like Sandy and Steve had a conversation. Boom, he was fired. You know, nothing else to talk about because then Porter wanted to try to lie to ESPN, said, oh, that wasn't me. Then they said, oh, we have the pictures. And, you know, they just really made him look even worse than he was. So 
it's an unfortunate situation, but I think the Mets did the right thing. And I hope that there's not more stories like this, that they could really show that things are different now. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely agreeing with both of you guys. Like the Mets did the best they could with reacting to what happened without knowing anything at all. Like imagine getting another bombshell like that two seasons in a row. We get two guys we have to fire just like that. Like it's it's unsettling, different for Mets culture, but I really do think we're gonna get better at that. But and it kind of sucks that that guy like almost ruined his career by doing something stupid like that. Sixty-two unread messages. Yeah. Like dude, even like when you're talking to a regular person, you don't even send three unread messages. Like yeah. you just you just wait till they respond. If they don't, you're like, oh, all right, I guess I'm not gonna talk to them anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's like we almost at least I liked his comeback story before all this started happening. Like, you know, he went through all these different teams, moved up in the ranks. We thought he was going to be like the next big guy behind Sandy. And he kind of ruined that for himself. So I hope we can find another younger guy that's not going to do this and he could teach him how to do the right thing. One thing that I wanted to say in regard to what Frank said, and it's been an interesting storyline that I don't think has been covered a lot, but Jeff Paston has been saying that he, that the reports that he knew back in 2016 are false and that's what he's saying um i think it was on michael k he had a little yeah Mm -hmm. um where he said like the people at wfan are just i don't remember the exact words that he said but he said Mm -hmm. that he had no idea of it and we have uh what's it called responsibilities as reporters to report things when they come um so i i I don't know if he knew I, Um, i think it had more to do with not passing in particular i think espn in general because oh, okay. also uh, Mina Kimes was also on the story. And I just think that ESPN as an organization knew for, you know, longer than, you know, this week, let's just say, for example, you know, I would say they knew probably before Porter got hired. And then apparently they told her that uh, he became Mets general manager. So then that's when she was like, oh, well, now we have to come out. Yeah, that's because he has, was, Because too. now he has such a prestigious title, he mm-hmm. has more power, which makes it more likely that he could get away with, you know, going after other women, you know, what they don't want it, you know, being all these text messages and stuff like that. So, I mean, whether it was or not, I, I just think that, like, when did she tell them? You know what I mean? Like, if this happened in 2016, I don't think she told them in 2020. You know, she said that she wanted to keep it anonymous the whole time because of the rights in her country, which I completely understand. I'm not, I'm not, I have no problem with her. It's more so ESPN in general. I feel, again, they didn't have to tell the Mets what he did. They could have gave him a heads up. And I just think the fact that he got to the Diamondbacks, you know, no problem at all. Then he came to the Mets, no problem at all. You know, so I just think the whole situation was very, very strange. It really came out of nowhere. Like, I, I couldn't believe it when I read I was like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, you know? know, but now he's one of those guys that when you, when I hear his name, I just get like uh, just chills. I'm like, oh, you know, I, I just like yeah. want to puke. When he just has one of those names now that like like a Sandusky kind of name. where You hear the name and you're like, oh, right. man, what a creep. It's terrible. Yeah. And one of the things that um... – I also got in the comments was like why it happened now. Um, and then I said, th- I think that's a, a little storyline that we should talk about too. Um, at least what I know, the reason it happened now and people are basically, and it's terrible, but people are basically insinuating that this uh, female reporter was, is trying to ruin Jared Porter's career by saying it now when he's the GM. Um, and that's just a terrible thing to say first off, but I mean, the reason that it happened now and Frank kind of laid it out is that, and also there's other reasons too, when you're a reporter and like in a male dominant industry, your reputation can be hurt. If you say something bad about one of the boys, if you want to take it in that sense. Um, And she didn't want to do that because she didn't want to ruin her career. And right now her career is in finance. I'm pretty sure that's what people are saying. Um, And she didn't want to say it while 
she was a reporter. That's the first thing. Jared Porter had some type of power in terms of I do you guys know what his position was back in 2016? I have to look back at the old outline. It wasn't yeah, it, I mean, it wasn't anything It was with uh scouting, scouting and player director. development. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't it there was some type of power, it wasn't a lot of power and she didn't probably didn't feel like it was worth the risk of her career to say something. But now that he's a GM where he has all this power and probably even feels like he can do this to a whole other level because no one's going to speak down to him because he's at the high, one of the highest levels in all of sports. Um, and this was the time to do it. And I, I mean, if there, I can't fathom someone saying that, this female reporter is in the wrong by coming out with this story now. Um, I, that was one of the things that really bothered me in the comments. And yeah, I think that's a, a major storyline that people need to understand that there was a reason that it took so long for it to come out. Um, she didn't feel comfortable and Jared Porter wasn't in such a position of power and maybe, yeah, no, there's nothing else you could say about that. I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah, the, the problem was also the country that she's from, you know? I mean, she kept saying that, like, if she were to come out when it happened, that it would be a big deal in her country. It'd be disrespectful, you know, because she's a woman and doesn't have the rights to cost a man a job and, and things like that. Like, it would have been a huge deal in her country. And then, like, that's why the fact that uh, Sandy Axon said what country she was from, that why that was such a big deal. You know, it, so it was a combination of the two, I, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I think regardless or not, like, I mean, how could people say that he's not a creep? And then uh, Sandy also <laughs> said that, like, the Mets have a bunch of female employees, you know, and, like, the reporters, none of them would feel comfortable. And it would just give the Mets such a terrible look that they're an organization that is okay with stuff like that. You know, it, like, the perception that the Mets would have it would just be really, really bad. Yeah, if you just look from, like, a baseball stance, if they kept Jared Porter, like – they would first off have a terrible look to their organization, but you're not going to be able to make a call to like, let's say the Marlins who now have, um, is yeah, it the baby. female GM? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you're not going to be able, Jared Porter is not going to be able to make a call to her without his, her thinking twice about him. If let's say there's a player that they want in the Marlins. And I'm sure as time goes on, um, there's going to be more female um, executives and how would Jared Porter look calling them to make a trade or make a move? If you just look from a baseball stance, it just wouldn't make sense. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have anything else you want to say about it, or do you want to move on? I think what's good is that the Mets were still able to get Zach Scott, who was the runner-up for the job. Mm -hmm. So the fact that like he still could do the job if he had to, uh, you know, that doesn't really concern me too much. I, I think they'll be fine, you know, especially with Sandy. And I'd imagine that Sandy – I don't think Sandy won't leave until they have the right guy that can take over. I, I just feel like, you know, he really wants to – he's very committed to his work and wants to make sure he leaves the Mets off on a good note. Right. Okay. Let's move on to George Springer. So um, two days ago, he officially signed with the Blue Jays. Um, six years, $150 million, which is about $25 million, I'm pretty sure. Um, and the news was that the Mets were only willing to go six years between $120 million, $125 um, so if you do the math, it's basically like a 30 million, uh, thirty million, $30 million they weren't willing to spend. Um, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. First off, 
you could say the Mets are being cheap again, or the Mets this offseason was supposed to be every, like the Mets were targeted on every big free agent. And it seems like they're going to miss out on every single free agent. Um, and you could look at it that way, or you could also look at it from the fact that they made a deal for Francisco Lindor, who's better than all three of these guys that are on the table for the Mets. Um, it wasn't a stupid deal. It was one of their, probably their best deals they've ever made. Um, if you just look at the standpoint of the talent they gave up and the talent they got back in the history of the Mets, um, and they have to sign this guy. They, if Francis, let's just put it this way: if Francisco Lindor was on the market during this time, and the Mets got out, went out and signed Francisco Lindor. They would have had to sign Francisco Lindor for like ten years, three hundred million or something like that. And then the Mets would have been seen as as like a team that's really going for it. And I think the Mets should be still be seen as a team that's going for it. They're just taking a different path than they thought they were going to go. And I think that could be a result of what the market was like. Um, maybe some pressure by fans wanting the Mets to do something, even though I don't know if that really has that big of an impact. Um, but they took a different route. They went down the trade route, the trade route, which is definitely viable. And they didn't make any, they didn't make any stupid deals. Um, and there's still a lot of talent on the table for the Mets to go out and sign in free agency. And we talked about last week, the economics of everything. The Mets simply would have to have been, super creative, probably give up some prospects or talented people to make trades to be able to free up cap space so they could be able to extend someone like Conforto, someone, someone like Francisco Lindor, and other people that they're going to have to extend down the line. And I think now, without spending that much money on Francis, on uh, George Springer, they can now extend Michael Conforto, they can now extend Francisco Lindor. And if you want to just look at the talent, George Springer theoretically is only going to be a very good center fielder for two to three more years. He's getting old and in two or three more years, they're going to have a problem again where they don't have a center fielder. Um, and I, that just probably didn't make sense for the Mets to do. And I think honestly, like the Mets didn't fall for the peer pressure of the fans at this point. And I think that's something that we should look at what Steve Cohen said in his introductory press conferences he's trying to make a sustainable a sustainable good very good elite franchise and i don't think going out and signing george springer for that amount of money would have been uh would have went with that goal that he set because george springer simply for that money isn't worth it in my opinion and i think a lot of mets fans understand that um and there's other mets fans that have some things to say that the mets didn't go out and sign these big free agents but i i I personally don't agree with that uh, philosophy. Yeah. I'll let Spencer go next because I got a lot to say. <laughs> I mean, honestly, as much as I wanted George Springer, I was felt like it was more of like a video game move. Um, if something would have happened, I wasn't really expecting it to happen. I didn't want really necessarily want him on the team, rather other players instead. And they were able to move around it. And I like the fact that you could free up cap space. You don't want to spend all the money in the bank. Then you can't get anyone else. And you're just stuck in a position you're like, all right, well, hopefully something good happens. So I'm definitely behind it. Um, the fact that he's on the Blue Jays, I'm kind of happy. You know, it doesn't really hurt us that much. It's not a rival team. But like we said last time, though, the Blue Jays now acquiring him. And then the random Michael Brantley dropout. They still have a chance to be one of the top teams in the American League. So, I mean, yeah, if we get there and they get there the World Series, then we have to worry about it. But if you have to wait the whole season for that, to, for that like to find out, then I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if we got to the World Series, like I'd just be happy that we got there. Let us worry that. Oh, there we go, deal. 
And I also yeah, think they should be able to beat the Blue Jays. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Toronto still has more work to do, no doubt. And you know what? They need more pitching, and I think the Mets need more pitching. Because what I've really been thinking about lately is, I don't know if you guys have been following these, like, top 10 countdowns on LB Network at all. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, all right, they have Brandon Nemo as a top 10 center fielder. Whether that's true or not, whatever, we could debate it. They have Dom Smith as a top 10 left fielder. We could debate that whether it's true or not. But I think that Conforto's a top 10 right fielder. They said Alonzo's a top 10 first baseman. We know McNeil's top 10. Lindor is top 10. McCann is top 10. The only position messed up a top 10 player at is third base with J.D. Davis. So the Mets did not need George Springer. What they need is pitching, and they need defense in center field. And like we said, Springer's only going to give you that for two to three years, and then it's a six-year contract. So by year five, we'd be like, oh, my gosh, we're still paying Springer. By year six, we'd be like, oh, my gosh, let's get rid of this guy already. You know what I mean? Because then how much value does he really have left? With Cano's money coming back next year, the Mets were going to be repeat offenders. We don't know what this new CBA was going to be like. And I think that for me, I would rather have the money to go get more pitching. The Mets need more pitching. They have to, as of right now, they're hoping they could get the best version of Noah, of Stroman, of Carrasco, all these guys. But, I mean, if you could try to get Tyron Walker, maybe Bauer lowers his asking price and lower his mm-hmm. years, you have got to be more willing to consider that. Upgrade your bullpen. Upgrade your defense. Upgrade your depth. Because at least with Jackie Bradley, like, you have him for two years, good center field defense, then he's gone. You're not still paying him like you're still paying George Springer. And you hope that then Pete Carr Armstrong is ready to go in center field. It's very similar to the McCann-Real Muto debate where, you know, you have to have a stock gap where McCann holds it down, Alvarez is ready, instead of just constantly paying Real Muto. You don't want to put yourself in that same position. So, he had not gone Frankie Lindor. I'd be like, well, the Mets have to get a Springer because they still need to do something big for their lineup. I think Lindor is big enough for their lineup. Like, there's still other avenues they could go. We'll talk about third base later with Henio Suarez, but there's still there's other ways they could get a big-time bat in their lineup. Yeah. Um, I What really bothers me is – so, I one of the things that I do is, like, I always listen to, like, WFAN or ESPN 98.7, and there's, like, key guys, so, like um, – Moose, who's with it's Maggie and Moose at 12. I don't know the exact time, um, but also on SNY, like, uh, and on SNY with like Salicata, like, these are two people that I've noticed are probably more of the outspoken type against the Mets not going after George Springer. And I think a lot of other people in like Mets media agree that they shouldn't have one after George Springer for that amount of money. And what I don't understand from Salicata and, um, Moose's take. What's his real name? Do you guys know? Mark Malusis. Mark Malusis. Okay. Um, like, what I don't understand from their take is like they're saying, why are the Mets just not going for it right now in 2021? They have, they have this talent to go for it, and why not do it? We expected them once they got Steve Cohen to go out and sign these people. And the thing is, like, even if you have like the most talent, that doesn't mean like you're necessarily getting a world series done and what steve cohen's trying to do and what he said in his introductory press conference is making a sustainable team and if you sign george springer to this amount of deal that just is totally not sustainable because you can't have all these 100 million dollar contracts on your roster at the same time even if steve cohen has all this money to spend theoretically yeah there could be no luxury tax in the future but there could be a luxury tax in the future as well and you can't just expect the luxury tax to be gone, Steve Cohen to be willing to spend all this money. 
what Steve Cohen's doing right now is above and beyond what Will, the Wilpons ever did. And the fact that Mets fans can even talk about the Mets being by the luxury tax is something that I never envisioned. And signing George Springer just doesn't make sense for a sustainable team to do because you have all these young players. And I was talking about this with my brother, like the Mets sneakily like have built a roster filled with these young players, which is amazing first off, but these players are going to have to be signed. And I don't think Mets fans are going to be, are going to be happy when they have to let someone like Noah Syndergaard walk, or they have to let someone like very far, or I don't even know when it is, but like Conforto walk. That's, Another example, but like Jeff McNeil, Dom Smith, I don't see Mets fans being happy when they have to do that. And if you go out and sign someone like George Springer, someone's going to have to not be there in the future. And I think down the line, Mets fans would much rather have Noah Syndergaard, Dom Smith, or Jeff McNeil, someone like that still on the roster compared to an old George Springer. Yeah. And the other guy to think of, too, is the expiring free agent, Showman. Like, let's say Showman has a bounce back year and he's an all-star again. You want the Mets to keep an all-star pitcher? You want to let him walk? Like, I feel like that's something that the Mets will have to consider. And what I like is that Cohen said three to five years. He didn't say this year we are winning a World Series. So I think that you have to be ready for other scenarios. Like, let's see how this team plays out. You know, mm-hmm. let's add to the bullpen, add to center field or whatever. And then let's see where the team goes. Then we can make moves from there. Because if we just gave our money to George Springer and then somebody else doesn't perform the way they expected or had a major injury, let's say, we have to do something different. But now we can't because we're paying George Springer. So you just have to be, you know, ready and available for all these other different possibilities, especially we haven't talked about DH yet. If there's no DH, Dom Smith's on the bench. So, I mean, you just spent that kind of money to put Dom on the bench. You know, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, definitely. And and the last thing that I want to say about this is, like, people calling this offseason, like, a failure and it not being a good offseason are just insane. I mean – you get you got Francisco Lindor and people are saying, oh, but it's not a signing, it's a trade. And the Mets have themselves in a situation now where they were able to have the money to go out and get Francisco Lindor. I'm sure they did the deal knowing that they were going to be able to re-sign him. Um, even, even if they say they, they didn't have that, um, they haven't had that talk, I'm sure they've, they've known if they're going to be able to sign him. And they made a trade that you don't have to do anything else like this offseason if they just made that trade. If you're being honest, if you want to, like, in the past for the Mets, like, if you did this Francisco Lindor trade, like, best offseason in I don't even know how long. But they've made other moves, which it just bothers me when people say that and are discounting everything else the Mets have done. Um, Yeah. I think that's probably all I have to say about that. Um, yeah, I, I agree some with other, offseason fans. Oh. I've seen people say that too because like if, you, if we said before the offseason started like Mets are going to bring back Stroman on a one-year deal, they're going to sign McCann, they're going to sign Trevor May, they're going to make a trade for Lindor and Carrasco, which was a big part of that trade, then we know the Mets are making other moves. Like they are far mm-hmm. from done. You know, like they're going to be close to the tax when all is said and done. Like they're going to get a few more signings. So with all they've done plus all they're still going to do, Probably extend Lindor. I would imagine you've got to try to do it before the season and eventually yeah. extend Conforto. Yeah. There's no shot you could say this is a failure offseason. I mean, I think in a normal offseason with the Wilpons, I think maybe McCann and May. I feel like that probably would have been it. I don't even think they would have pulled off the Lindor trade because they would have extended them. So why would they even do it? Yeah. If, I, if they did the Francisco Lindor trade, like, I don't even know. That would, I totally doubt they would have done that. Um, I'm just trying to pull up some stats, but it's not 
Oh, okay. Okay. So the next thing we're going to talk about, um, some things that happened earlier last week, the Mets signed Jose Martinez, um, who was just getting the stats up, who most recently, um, played for the Cubs, correct? Yeah, we raised the Cubs. Or was it the Rays? It was Cubs. Um, okay, it was Cubs. Cubs and the Rays last year. Um, more well-known when he was with the Cardinals. Um, he had some very good season with the Cardinals um, back in 2016 to 2019. Um, 2016 was his first year. But his probably his best season was in 2018 where he had a 305 batting average, 17 home runs, 83 RBIs. And he's definitely fallen off since then. Um, didn't have a good season in 2020 by any stretch. But, I mean, the deal that they signed Jose Martinez to, it's a minor league deal. I think it's like 500000 like base salary and then like a million dollar incentive. Um, is the incentive is if he makes the opening day roster? Okay. Yeah. So I think I, I, I really like the deal when I first saw the deal. I didn't think it was this Jose Martinez. I I guess maybe I just didn't know the name Jose Martinez. It was something like that. Because then I started looking at his stats and I was like, this guy's pretty good. And then I remembered, like, he he's done some things against the Mets, if I'm recalling. there's some pe- There were some people on the Cardinals back in the day that really hurt the Mets. Um, and I think Jose Martinez was one of them. Um, so I really like the move. He's a very solid bat off the bench for the Mets. And I think he could even be more than that if, like, I like if he has to play a major spot with the Mets first off, that'd be really sad because that would be a major injury, but I don't think the Mets would be in that bad of a situation if that happened, because I mean, he could totally have a bounce back year. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't have to play a starting role, I mean, coming off the bench, that's like an A plus bat off the bench, in my opinion. I think the only thing that, I mean, everything was great about this signing. I've always liked him as a player. But the only thing to worry about is, like, last year we signed Matt Adams, then he went to the Braves because he opted out mm-hmm. of his contract. So if we take a player that signs a minor league contract and you have an incentive to be in the major league roster, once you get called up and move back down, the first time you get moved back down, like, there's no options, no waivers, and you get optioned down, they can choose and elect to decline their mm-hmm. contract and become a free sure. agent. So hopefully we don't make him that mad or we bring him down to Syracuse <laughs> and he's like, I don't want to play anymore. I'm done. I'll sign with someone else. Uh-huh. And he goes to Atlanta and then starts raking it. So, yeah. uh, What I hope for Martinez is that we actually have a spring training this time around just so we could get a feel of where his bat is at. Because if his bat is anything close to where it was, that is now late in games when you're facing a left-handed reliever and now you need a pinch hitter, boom, that's your right-handed bat off the bench. He could even platoon with some of these guys. Like, if there is a DH and you're facing a lefty, boom, Jose Martinez is the DH, not Dom Smith. You know what I mean? Like, you have more possibilities. He could play a little bit of first base. I don't want him in the outfield, but he could play out there if it's an absolute emergency. He could go into the corner. But, you know, this guy, I mean, for, like, such a low salary, the Mets don't have a right-handed bat off the bench. They really don't. You know, when you look at this team right now, who would you say, okay, lefty's in the game, what right are we going to go to off the bench? Mm. There's, There's nobody right now. So, I mean, for that kind of salary, for the kind of upside that he has, like, his whole career has been good. One down year. How many guys had down years in 2020? I'd probably say, like, a good portion of the league had down years offensively. Even, like, amazing players had down years. So, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. overreact to it too much. And just, like, you'll know in spring training, if if this guy's raking, you're like, boom, he's on the team. How could you send him down? I think, like, if he did get sent down, the Mets would have to have a really good player on the team that'd be in their overhead. 
Because they don't have a great bench right now. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, okay, so my battery is getting low on my computer, so I'm going to somewhat quickly run through these moves. Um, and then just tell me if you guys have anything you want to say about them. Um, so the Mets were involved in the Joe Musgrove trade with the Padres and the Pirates. Um, and they got, I think he's 27 right now, Joey Lucchesi. Um, he is probably going to battle for the fifth spot in the rotation with Steven Matz, if Steven Matz is still on the team at that point. Um, he's, I think, like a career like four ERA guy. Um, he's 27. I think he, he doesn't have that many. I think he's maybe has four years of experience in, in the MLB. I think it's a, it's a solid move. They ended up having to trade, um, Andy Rodriguez, who was their 14th best prospect. I mean, 14th best prospect, like sounds like somewhat of a big deal, but he's not a big deal. If I'm going to be honest, um, a 14th best prospect in anyone's, um, um, minor league system isn't that great. But a 14th best prospect in the Mets minor league system is even worse. I mean, the Mets minor league system, as we know, is pretty de- pretty deplenished at this point. So I don't mind giving up Andy Rodriguez, and I think Joey Lucchesi is a solid move. He's a he's a somewhat young arm that they have until 2023, I think, um, and I think it's a solid move for them to make. Um, some other little things, and then I think we want to talk about Brad Hand. So I'm gonna save that for the end, but. Um, the Mets have been interested in Jeremy Jeffries, who's a bullpen arm that had a very good year last year, 1.54 ERA. Um, the year prior, I think he had a above five ERA. So he's someone that you have to keep an eye on because he could be one of those fickle relievers, like I always talk about. Um, but he, he would be a solid option, I think, for me, um, if you don't have to sign for a lot. Um, yeah, the Mets always need bullpen help. So if you don't have to sign for a lot, then I would totally take that. If you do, then I don't think that makes sense. Kiki Hernandez have also been rumored with the Mets. He was rumored to have like been in talks with Jared Porter before the whole Jared Porter thing went down. Um, so I don't know. They're still definitely engaged with Kiki Hernandez. Me personally, I don't. Kiki Hernandez would be like a solid option off the bench, obviously. But he has not really had that great of seasons the past few years. Um, I don't know how much of a player he'd really be for the Mets. If it's not for a lot of money, then totally. Um, but I think the name Keegan Hernandez has like a nice ring to it because of his Dodgers fame, but I really don't think he's that great of a player. Um, just looking at his stats and everything. Um, I think he'd be a good backup in some, some position or just overall utility man. Um, but if it's for, a lot of money or money that the Mets could spend much better. I don't see a situation where I want the Mets to go out and sign Kiki Hernandez. I just don't think it would be a worthwhile signing. I think for the right price, like if it's not too much, I wouldn't mind having him, whether it's on the bench or filling it for someone, if someone got injured, mm-hmm. uh, I think the one plus to having him would be that he is versatile. So I would say his fielding speaks a lot more than his batting does. Um, so it's kind of hard to put him on the bench because of that aspect, but I mean, nonetheless, it would, like you said, it would be nice to have a big name like that from someone from the Dodgers and possibly bring some world series passion to the Mets. Yeah. And what Kike did too with the Dodgers was that he would get big postseason hits. Like, I mean, he'd come in like pinch hit close, big time game. It's a home run. You no, know, he's more of an all or nothing power hitter, I will mm-hmm. say, but like 
he plays everywhere on the field. Like, everywhere but catcher. Kike Hernandez could play there. So, I mean, the mm-hmm. Mets don't have a guy like that right now. And like you guys said, as long as it's not too much money, because yeah. he is going to be a bench player. Like, I don't think he's going to be the starting center fielder. At least I hope not, because his bat, and nor his glove. I mean, like, he can play a lot of positions, but he doesn't play them at goal glove caliber. Mm-hmm. So, I think that he definitely would be more of just a good all-around utility guy, which you notice that a lot of these teams that win it all, and when the Cubs had Ben Zobris and with the Dodgers kicking his, like, championship teams have these kind of guys mm-hmm. on their team. And, and like um, Spencer said with that Dodgers pedigree, you know, he's been in the big game. Like, a lot of these young Met guys, they haven't been to the playoffs before. Like, at least Kike has that kind of experience that you know you could get something out of him when it matters most. That's true. Um, okay. Next thing, I don't think there's a lot to talk about here, but Albert Omara Jr. has been, like, heavily ruined with the Mets. Um, more stuff came out today that the Mets are, like, in pretty deep talks with him, honestly. Um I personally, I mean, if he ends up being their starting center fielder, I don't think that would make sense. Um, I think Brandon Nimmo, even if his defense isn't good, Albert Albert Amora is not better in the grand scheme of things offensively and defensively. Um, he would probably, he would definitely be a backup. Um, I don't think he's going to be some major signing that Mets fans would be like hoping for. Um, he was waived by the Cubs, um, even though it's somewhat of a fire sale in Chicago, but He's more of a minor player that the Mets have been in deep talks with. Uh, I don't think there's a lot to say there. Do you guys have anything you want to add about that? I like Kiki more than him. <laughs> That's all I got. So <laughs> That's true. What um, I'll say oh, about okay. Almora real quick is that I think that if you do something, it's going to be cheap, right? So mm-hmm. that's not going to cost a lot of money. Compared to where Jackie Bradley, he'll be a lot more expensive than Albert Almora, I'd imagine. If you're unable to attain Brad Hand, which we'll get to next, so far Mets have only offered him a one-year deal. He's looking for a multi-year deal. My question is, what are you going to do with the money then? Now things become interesting. Because if you go cheap again without more, and you can't land Brad Hand, you still have over $20 million left. Where would the Mets go then? That's what I really want to know. Because if they're seriously concerning Almora, then that really tells you that they have other plans with their money. And that's why this Suarez Sunday Gray thing might look a little more realistic. Mm-hmm. That's true. Okay, so uh, Spencer hinted at it, so we'll talk about um, Brad Hand. So last Friday, um, news came out in the morning that the Mets had signed Brad Hand, um, but then those rumors quickly were killed, um, basically saying they were in talks, but there wasn't a deal that was close. It was it's reminiscent of the James McCann situation, except James McCann signed sometime soon after that, and the Mets still are somewhat in talks about him, but there's a lot of other suitors that are coming out of the wordworks of woodworks, I guess you want to call them. Um, but the angels have been involved. Um, there's everyone's really involved with Brad hand and basically what Brad hand wants. And he changed um, representation too, after it seemed like he could only get a really a one year deal. Um, he wants a two year deal and Andy Martino just had an article um, about how the Mets still don't want to give him a two year deal. Um, which is what's really keeping Brad Hand from signing with the team. I think personally, um, there's I've had a back and forth about Brad Hand because there's times where I don't really like want the Mets to spend a lot of money on a reliever because they can have so many, they could have a good season and then have a bad season, and that happens so much. But uh, Brad Hand might be different. Um, I just don't know. If he's looking for like a two-year, twenty million dollar contract, 
I mean, that's not terrible. Um, and Brad Hand is a very talented arm. I'm just, just pulling up the stats because I want to see how consistent he really is. Ever since uh, he's become a reliever, he's been extremely consistent. Okay, yeah, that, that's what I'm seeing. Once he converted, then he, he became the guy. Okay, so yeah, it seems like since 2016, he's been very consistent, which must be when he converted. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's a consistent reliever, so that tro- totally changed my point. I would totally do a two-year, $20 million deal, or even like $12 million a year I would do um, for Brad Hand. I don't know why they're not willing to go two years. He's only He's 30 years old, which isn't that old. Um, I don't know what's holding them up. Maybe he's asking for more money than we're thinking in the 10 to $12 million range. Um, but me personally, I would totally put that money into Brad Hand. Yeah, I'm getting pretty concerned, the fact that they won't do it. Because my thing is that if you don't do it, what's your alternative? And right. you know, to the Mets, there is plenty of relievers out there that are still good. But I just think that, like, why wouldn't you do it? I don't think he's asking for anything crazy. He's not asking for more than Liam Hendricks. So we know it's going to be at least a couple million under what Hendricks got, which is around, you know, let's say 15 at most. But every year is different on his average annual value. So, I mean, if he's asking for two years, I don't see why you wouldn't do that. Because, again, if you don't get Brad Hand, you're not getting Jackie Bradley. Like, what else are you doing? You didn't go all in on George Springer because you had these other plans. You know, I'm all for maintaining the young core. But, I mean, Brad Hand's a guy that could really help out this team yeah. a lot. I'm, I really would like to see him on the Mets. You know, because, like I said, if you're not getting Jackie, you have to at least give me Brad Hand, at least. <laughs> I agree with that. Um, I, yeah, yeah. there must be something we don't know because he just seems like a perfect fit for the Mets and they have the money to spend on him. Um, maybe it's a business tactic that we're not familiar with. Um, but, but, but the thing is that I wouldn't really do that because he has so many suitors. Yeah, you know, like if he, if he was just a guy that was only the Mets and another team, like it was with Springer, you could play the waiting game a little bit. But you know, a lot everybody could use Brad Hand. You know, so it wouldn't surprise me if a team like the Blue Jays, who John Hammond said they could outbid the Mets for another player in Brad Hand, that would definitely concern me because if the Mets are routinely getting outbid, the fans are not going to be happy with that. Yeah, you know, the fans are going to be like, "Oh, Cohen doesn't really have that much money." You know, they've already done it now, so it would just yeah. you know give them even more to work with. Mm-hmm. Definitely agree. I think, like, I, I'm still on Steve Cohen and Sandy Ellison's side right now, but if they don't get Brad Hand or they don't get Jackie Bradley Jr., I mean, honestly, if they don't get both or, like, another solid center fielder, like, then I'll start to think about this offseason as not being what we had it stacked up to be, even though I think it's still a very good offseason. But you have this money to spend, so I, I don't see why not. Um, the last thing that we're going to cover is the Eugenio Suarez, Sonny Gray, rumors um the Mets contacted the Reds about them I don't know how far their talks really went um I would imagine a deal for Suarez and Sonny Gray would be probably either centered around J.D. Davis and maybe Brandon Nemo or J.D. Davis and Ronnie Mauricio some type of situation like that because obviously Suarez is um a third baseman I think he also plays shortstop sometimes um, shortstop or second base? I saw something. Um, either way, he's mainly a third baseman. Um, and Sonny Gray, obviously a pitcher. Um, they'd have to give up talent for that. But J.D. Davis, obviously they won't need him anymore if they get a third baseman like Suarez. And Brandon Nimmo or Ronnie Mauricio, I'd be more willing to probably trade Ronnie Mauricio. It depends if they get another center fielder. Like if they get a center fielder, Brandon Nimmo, totally fine getting rid of. 
um, for someone like Suarez and Sonny Gray. But if they don't, and Brandon Nimmo's your option at center fielder, I wouldn't want them to trade him. I'd rather them trade uh, Mauricio. And I'm pretty sure Suarez is under contract for a while now. Um, I don't know. I think he has at least like three years, I want to say. Yeah, it says he's you know about 2024. Do you know about Sonny okay. Gray? He has at least a couple years, too. Not, not, not three, but I think like maybe two, I want to say. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, if they got Sonny Gray, they'd have like four or three years of DeGrom, uh, Carrasco, Gray situation. And I think that would be a very good situation. And, I, I mean, if it's a deal center around J.D. Davis and Ronnie Mauricio, at this point, Mauricio doesn't really have a place on this team besides maybe him switching over to third base, potentially. I mean, this is under the assumption that the Mets sign Princess Lindor long-term. Um, but Ryan Mauricio becomes someone that has a lot of talent that you can trade and isn't going to be on, isn't going to be a, a main piece on your team. So that's like a perfect trading candidate. And if it's for a trade like Suarez and plus Sonny Gray, like that's a, that's a blockbuster trade for the Mets. And I know Suarez didn't have a great season last year, but like we've been saying, there's a lot of players that didn't have good seasons last year. Um, and I mean, the concern about Sonny Gray is obviously he didn't play that well with the Yankees and it could be a New York city type of thing with him, but he's also talked about how the Yankees made him do things that he wasn't comfortable doing, which could have affected his performance. And Sonny Gray has had very good seasons for the Reds. Um, so for me, I definitely do this deal. If it's a deal centered around JD Davis and Ronnie Mauricio. Go ahead, Spencer. I got a lot on this one, too. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm a fan of the young guys. I'm a big minor league baseball fan, so I, I try to keep track of, like, all the different prospects going in and out. It would kind of suck to lose another shortstop because I was a big fan of Andres Jimenez. Um, the fact that he fought through, like I've said before, through the last game of the season in 2020, even when he was injured. Um, I kind of respected that attitude that he gave off. So I, I would hate to really see Ronnie Mauricio go because then, you know, it's another young guy that we lose. We already lost Simeon Woods Richardson to the Blue Jays for Marcus Stroman. Hopefully that pans out the right way. Um, now with Jimenez, Rosario, I'm not really that worried about, you know, to be yeah. honest. But it, I would potentially see, like, J.D. Davis, I mean, I would hate to see him go. Like, I like the salt and pepper connection between him and Dom Smith. Mm -hmm. But yes. I'd rather see him go than Ronnie Mauricio, in my opinion. But it would be nice to have Eugenio Suarez. I mean, the guy's a slugging machine. Yeah. I think he would get, like, 30 home runs a year. Around that number, he battled with Alonzo in 19 for the uh, lead in the league. Yeah. So, I mean, this, this guy, even even last year, they get almost 20 homers, uh, 15, 15 to be exact. Yeah. But, I mean, this guy could straight out slug it. So, I think that this could be the move that now for me, as long as Brandon Nemo or Dom Smith is not in this move, that means that JD Davis and no Alvarez, no Matthew Allen, anybody else is on the table for this move because I think that this is the one that could actually put the Mets in, right in World Series contender. Because if you add a Henio Suarez to this lineup, the lineup of McNeil, Nimmo, Lindor, Conforto, Alonzo, Dom Smith, Suarez, McCann is crazy. And then if you put Sonny Gray in the rotation, you have a DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman, Sonny Gray, Carrasco rotation. I mean, all of a sudden the Mets have a good team here. So I think as long as Nimmo is not in the trade, as long as Dom Smith is not in the trade, no Alvarez, no Matthew Allen, you, you, let's make it happen. Now, what, what if the Mets do sign like a Jackie Bradley Jr.? Would you be willing to let Brandon Nimmo go? I mean, yeah, I'd be more willing because then, you know, I mean, you have Dom and left, which I don't love. But, yeah, you, as long as, like I said, you replace the person, then I'm okay with it. But that's why if Almore is true, it changes things. Because mm -hmm. now you have a center fielder. If there's no DH, I'm going to tell you, guys just have – they don't have spots to play. 
So, I mean, again, I think that the Reds are asking for a lot because apparently they asked the Yankees for Glaber in order to give them Luis Castillo. Now, these guys are different. Sonny Gray is – they're more concerned with his salary than they are with Castillo. Castillo is more for – he's really talented and younger. But, I mean, Suarez, I mean, this is a really good bat at such a reasonable cost. You know, like, Mm -hmm. what I like about Suarez compared to somebody like Chris Bryant or Arenado is that Chris Bryant's on last year of his deal, and if he has a pretty good year, this guy could get over $200 So – Brian, you'd have to pay a crazy amount of money. Arenado is already getting paid an insane amount of money. So if you can get Suarez, who is at such a reasonable contract for multiple years, same with Sonny Gray. I mean, like I said, the Mets need more pitching. They could use one more big bat. Someone to Lindor trade, you get both of those done with this deal. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I don't think there's anything else that we wanted to talk about. Um, definitely an interesting week in Mets news. Um, not a lot of good news for the Mets this week, I'd definitely say. Um, hoping for more. I think our, our, we're going to stick to our usual schedule of weekend things unless there's like major news. And I just figured there was some major news to talk about. And I didn't know if it would make sense to wait till the weekend to talk about them. Um, yeah, I, I think that's about it. Thanks for listening. Um, yeah. Talk to you guys later. Bye.